Blow the horn. Let's go. In everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a so place to play football. Everything with an attitude. Got a family. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Don't let play against them. And make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Tom, that's kind of the tide we were waiting to see, right? Absolutely, man. And I have to tell you that I love that the nickname has been coined the washout uh, to to go with the blackout. Um, I, I'm just disappointed that Chubb got that one run, man. I'm I'm sure Reggie Raglan is 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 you know had a little discussion with with the coach today because you know that that was his gap that cost us 83 yards and and got the kid 100 yards. But it was nice to hear Gary Danielson say that that was the only play they had in the whole second half. Yeah, I agree, and put a pin on that because I, I do want to talk about uh, talk about that run. But uh, yeah, I you know I was kidding with my wife that you know, you know, kind of the laughs on Georgia, right? Because they kept talking about the blackout on television. And if Georgia hadn't been trying to be sort of gamey and, and make that the blackout, then people would not still be talking about that game, nor would they have assigned a nickname to this game. And so it's like, you know, when you make dumb decisions, sometimes they come back and haunt you. And so, you know, Georgia will forever have to live with the blackout. And so now they get to live with the washout which would have not been christened anything had they not trying to have been cute before. So I kind of like that. It's kind of well-deserved with some of the uh, the other Bush League stuff they were doing, you know, running across the field to try to – I don't even know how you intimidate when you race across, the, across the, the field like a bunch of third graders. I don't know how that's intimidating. And when their bus pulled up to the stadium, they were trying to rock it over or something. You know, I was nervous – you know, just as a fan, I was nervous. Hey, this is a dangerous team. We've got to be on. We've got to play this game. And uh, as soon as I saw their gimmickry uh, of running over and, and trying to uh, taunt our players, I could feel my blood pressure go up. And I said, oh, we've got this. And uh, and it seems like that's kind of how the team played it as well. Well, it's like they were trying to manufacture something, right? I mean, it's like they were trying to get up for the game and they were trying every way they could to do it. And, you know, you can't fake it, right? There, there's no way to fake it. And, you know, I, I remember, um, I remember, you know, breaking down some, some, uh, some stats on the transfer from the university of Virginia before the game, um, you know, a couple of days before the game and he had only completed one pass over 20 yards. And they, they talked about his great stats against the Bobo teams that they had played recently. But you and I both know, and, and other pundits have talked about, the, the the six or seven losses we've had in the past seven years has been against the quarterback yeah. who can present that mobile threat, you know, a la Steven Garcia. Sure. And this kid was not going to do that. He was going to sit in the pocket. And this team is perfect for us. I mean, th- this is the perfect team for Alabama to play because they don't go three wides very often. They play the traditional fullback. They have a Statue of Liberty quarterback, um, and the rain only helped us. I mean, you know, you and I did not get to talk on Saturday, but when I saw the weather forecast, I was like, well, this is even better for us. 
because yeah. it's just going to be, you know, uh, man on man. And uh, we were the man and they were the man child. Yep. Well, I like, uh, you know, before the game, Danielson, you know, made the comment that, you know, similar to what you're saying, and I think they referenced Garcia and they referenced the quarterback play. And, you know, he said, you know, you know, Grayson has to be, you know, 17 of 23 uh, in, in this game. Uh, for Georgia to have a chance, and you know, and that sort of presupposes you know Chubb having having a big day throughout the day. And uh, ironically, as these things happen, uh, you know, he said seventeen of twenty three. They reached a point in the game where Danielson said, "Well, Grayson Lambert is seven for twenty three, which is not getting it done." And uh, of course, you know, of course, the score uh, de- uh, you know demonstrated that. So. Uh, Danielson looked pretty bright there, uh, uh, you know, as all that kind of converged. No, absolutely, man. I got to tell you, you and I get to go to a lot of games live, so we don't we don't get to listen to Gary live a lot. But um, I think Gary is how you and I are going to be when we grow up, when we become adults. We're going to be Gary Danielsons because, you know, I'm sorry, I just love listening to him call a game, and I love it when he when he tries to pull out a few little tidbits like you and I do. Uh, which we can get into here in a minute. But, um, you know, I, I just think he's one of the best at, at what he does. He is pretty good. He, he is pretty good. Well, let's let's talk offense. And uh, tell me about some of the nuances that uh, you saw on, def- uh, on offense. What jumped out at you? You know, the, the first thing I have to mention is, you know, to start the game, you know, on the third and one at the 40-yard line when Derek, you know, ran up the middle for the first down and, and, and fumbled the ball. That was a huge thing. I mean, the the fact that Georgia could not do anything with the ball, the fact that Georgia had to – the fact that we fumbled the ball on our 43 and they could only get to our 38 to start the game, that was huge because that just showed me that, you know, we can take a punch and, and, and still, you know, and still be able to withstand that on the road against a good team. So I did want to mention that 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 I think that was a huge momentum play to you know a huge momentum series to start the ball game, but I was surprised in this game that we did not really utilize Kenyon Drake the way that I thought we would. I just really did not feel like he got to uh, to be much of a presence in this game um, and really be that change of back. Um, you know, he finished with six carries for twelve yards and really just wasn't a factor. And so it's easy to talk about Derrick Henry and, and some of the obvious things, but I just wanted your thoughts on that real quick because, you know, they've come out now afterwards and talked about how they rested Derrick Henry and and obviously he had a, you know, career high with 26 carries. But why do you think we didn't see the back number one with 20 carries and back number two with 10 carries? Why do you, why do you think Kenyon Drake was not used more? Yeah, that's a great question. Now we ended up giving you know Drake uh, or uh, Henry a lot more carries, and uh, I I want to spend a minute you know just talking about Henry, and then and then we can hit Drake. He for the majority of his carries, uh, there were still a couple, but for the majority of his carries, uh, I was celebrating uh, the physicality with which he ran. I thought that he lowered his shoulder, uh, he laid some wood. Now we still ran him to the edges, and those were design play calls. But he ran between the tackles. He ran aggressively. He lowered his shoulder. Uh, he knocked out—I mean, not unconscious, but knocked a Georgia defender out of the game 
when he lowered his shoulder and, uh, and and collided with a defensive back, he routinely was pushing the pile or at least pushing his tackler forward. And he and he was falling when he when he was being tackled, he was being tackled forward or with forward momentum. And we don't see a lot of that out of him. And so I think he took it as a personal offense that, uh, you know, he's considered maybe one of the three best running backs in the league, at least kind of the media uh, puts it that way. And, uh, you know, he and Chubb, uh, you know, certainly with Fournette are, are, are getting those type of accolades. And so I think he took it as a personal challenge to go out there. And so he played with that tenacity. And so we gave him more carries, I think, as a result of that. Uh, now, when you mentioned Drake, you know, and, and it's, again, you're kind of looking at my notes. There's something about the way Drake's playing. And and as soon as I say that, that's not even right, because it's not the word the way he's playing, because he is playing with, with intensity. But it's, I think, the way we're deploying him that uh, he just seems off track and he, and he's and, and it, it's almost like he knows it because he tries that extra hard, that extra effort. And, uh, you know, he's going to break through here. But, you know, obviously it wasn't Saturday. I think that we, I would like to see us deploy him a little bit differently. Let's put him on the slot. Uh, you know, let's continue to run him. But I, I can't quite put my finger on it. But and he's going to blow the hell up against somebody because he's just right there, and his effort is just right there. I think the and 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 I'll tell you this: we've talked about him for years past. There's something about him that I really really like right now. He's not clicking, and the game plan for him isn't clicking. And the more it doesn't click, the harder he plays. And so he's going to bust out against somebody. I wouldn't be surprised if he has an, sort of an all-purpose 200-yard day coming up here because he is just going to blow up. And um, But I don't know what's holding him back. I can't quite put my finger on it. Well, what's interesting is he, he had six carries on the day for 12 yards. And when you go back and, and look at the play breakdown, um, you know, two of those plays were first and 10 runs. One time was second and three, and he got two yards up the middle. And then one time was second and four, and he got three yards. I point that out because he did not get the ball on a third down carry of his six carries. It was all two first and ten and mm -hmm. second and short. And then we obviously didn't complete but 11 passes on the day, but he only had one pass for, for two yards. And – I just think that that there is some similarities between him and Derrick Henry in the fact that they have to get the rock more to get into the game. And I, and I think that's true with a lot of college – well, I don't want to say college tailbacks. I think that's true with a lot of tailbacks. Sure. And so you were talking about Derrick Henry a second ago. We've sat there at the home games this year, and we sat there at the, you know, at the Dallas Stadium, and we said – you know, he only got 15 carries this game, or he only got 18 carries this game. And 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 he really started playing different the more carries he got. Well, I truly think part of Derrick Henry's mojo was he got the rock enough, right? Yeah, but I yeah, mean, I agree. I mean, yeah. Gary Danielson said it right on the telecast. He said, I mean, I loved how Gary Danielson said it. He said, you need to win it. He said at the end of the game something to the effect of, he said, this needs to be the M.O. of this team. Yeah. He said, this guy needs to get the ball 25 times 
each and every game, no matter what. And I agree with that. And I think Kenyon Drake needs another 10. This team needs to be running the ball between 35 and 40 times every single game. Yeah, but there's something – I hear what you're saying. I just think there's something a little more foundational to the way Henry has played this season up to the Georgia game. And he played physical. He didn't wait to his 20th carry to play physical against Georgia. He played physical from the jump. And if he's going to play physical from the jump, then, yes, let's make sure that he gets, you know, 20, 22, 24 carries a game. If he's going to dance in the hole and not attack and not be his own lead blocker, then I don't know that I want to give him that many carries. You know what I mean? No, I'm with you. So let me ask you this then. Is it possible that he showed up because it was a big game? I don't mean that as a slight on the kid. I'm just saying you're correct. He did not dance. I sat there screaming at the television, and I said, he's finally running like a 240-pound tailback. Yes. So is it because he was on national TV against a strong SEC opponent? I, well, I think I think it's – all right, I'll give you two factors. I think it's – I think he took personal, the sort of the running back matchup with Chubb and that this was going to be running back kind of versus running back. Uh, I think – I think that's going to be one factor, and Scarborough's back, or you know, back. I guess is a relative term. He got his first collegiate, you know, action Saturday, so it's hard to call him back. But, but uh, you know, both both Scarborough is going to start getting worked into uh, the rotation, and he will not have a problem being a physical inside runner, and so. You know, I think I think if you take those and then you can decorate around them. You know, I mean, he plays on national television, you know, kind of all the time. And so I don't know that it's that. Maybe he likes playing, you know, the idea of let's go scrap it out in the rain. That kind of reminds me of, you know, some high school, you know, football when I was younger. I, you know, you could you could layer that in. I, you know, I don't know. But, um, you know, whatever it is, let's put it in the bottle and uh, let's make sure he sprinkles it on next week, too. No, absolutely. Um, what do you what do you think about how we started the ball game? Um, I, you know, we deferred to the second half, which, you know, is, is, is obvious. We, we would have had a first down on our first drive had Derrick Henry not fumbled the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, after that fumble, okay, the, the first series, two, two runs were Derrick Henry, right? Yeah. The very next series, it was Derrick Henry run, Kenyon Drake run, Derrick Henry run. So, you know, three runs and third and one, we, we, we can't get the, the stupid yard. Um, what did you think about how we came out to start this game fairly conservative early? I think, I think with the weather, you know, and coaches say the weather doesn't impact us and stuff. I, I think it's safe to say that, that we wanted to come out, play physical. We wanted to shorten the game a little bit. We knew that they were going to do the same thing. And so we could afford to be a little bit more conservative because that's kind of how they're going to play it too. And so let's let's get our legs under us. Let's go out there and, and let's pop some people. Uh, let's get used to playing in these uh, in in these conditions, and uh, let's protect the ball a little bit. And uh, we'll have some time to to take our shots. I thought it was interesting. You know, Georgia came out knowing that they're going to play uh, a, a running game. 
you know, they came out with a play action from their first, uh, you know, from their first play. And so we kind of, and that's not a bad play call. I would never call that a bad play call. They came close to hitting it, but uh, you know, it took for a little bit. And I don't know that I call play action a gimmick, but they came out right of the gates trying to make a statement. And when we do that, and we talked about that a couple of weeks ago against Ole Miss, when we come out and try to do something like that, that's a little bit, Ooh, we're going to, you know, try to sneak up on you. Um, you know, that always, that never seems to bode well for us. And I think, I think Saban was so motivated and so, you know, kind of, you know, pissed off about this game. And when the whole thing with their players came over and, and got on to our guys, you know, Saban actually got mad and, and got a little, you know, ag- agitated back in, back in the locker room and, and said, look guys, you know, that's, if you're going to show that type of emotion and you're going to do that type of, undisciplined behavior, then there's no way that you can focus on the task ahead of you. And I think part of it was driving home the idea that you need to be focused. And so I'm going to make everyone be focused because we're going to run six running plays in a row. No, that's uh, that's fair. Um, what else jumped out at you on the offensive side of the ball? Well, I, I mean, it, what just flew off the page to me is Calvin Ridley's uh, uh, just breakout performance. We talked about Robert Foster going down and sort of where the reps going to come from. Who are we going to go to? Calvin Ridley just burst on the scene. And I know that we did not get a chance to do a Northern Illinois or, or I'm sorry, a University of Monroe, uh, uh, you know, podcast last week. But, you know, one of the things we would have talked about was Calvin Ridley dropping a touchdown pass uh, just clearly wide open in the end zone. And he just dropped it, hit him right in the hands. And uh, the fact that on a rainy day, a true freshman, we went out and said, you're our guy. And, man, what does that say about the talent level? He must really have uh, kind of behind the scenes because um, – and, and he only caught just – I mean, not a huge number of passes, but they were big instrumental plays. Uh, obviously, the play action for a touchdown was, was, was phenomenal. But we went to him – and uh, and boy, did he come through. Well, you know, it, it's interesting that, that that you say it that way because in the press conference today, Nick Saban was asked about Ridley and and some some reporter was trying to compare him to Amari Cooper, you know, stepping in with Foster going down. And he, you know, he made a statement that Calvin had shown some good things early in camp. But then he said, we need more players to have that attention to detail in their preparation so we can have more receivers step up and make plays. And I was like, that's a very interesting statement because you've got the Chris Blacks of the world who we've talked about as the, as the veteran of the squad right now. And you've got a guy named Richard Mullaney who has come in and really – found a home, right, in a, in a deep wide receiver core, right? A fifth-year senior, workman-like effort, who we'll talk about some catches here in a minute. But, but it's interesting. We, we did our pre-season pre, you know, shows, and we talked about the depth at wide receivers and, and where we were. But the top two guys on the stat sheets are newcomers, right? Calvin Ridley and Richard Mullaney. And so to your point – Yes, Calvin Ridley is talented, 
but we also saw videos from his Twitter and his YouTube when he got here in the in the spring, right? Of getting out there with the Chris Blacks of the world and running cone drills for two hours. And I just wonder if these two guys are just bringing a different work ethic that other guys are not bringing. Yeah, I think clearly they are, and 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 that's that's where these other guys are not getting the opportunity. Our Darius Stewart, you know, I love him, but you know, he's you know, I don't know that he's putting in that kind of effort. He certainly is as capable, if not more capable, of of you know, with his familiarity with the system of being the the breakout guy. You know, Chris Black. It's, I mean, it's almost, you know, to use a word, it's almost embarrassing, you know, kind of the, you know, where he is showing up or, or the degree to which he's not showing up. You know, Robert Foster obviously has gone down. He was he was kind of breaking out. I think there's a little bit, you know, Cam Sims. Uh, he would be in the mix if he weren't coming back from injury. You know, second half of the season, we may see some something from him. I think, I think there's a little bit of a drop off. Uh, from that group, you know, when you start thinking about Keith, uh, Charlotte, I think is is talent is is as talented as anyone in that next group. But he's so young, and if we could redshirt him, I think that we would like to. Uh, but Falcons and and Keith, I you know, I've not seen enough to say one way or the other that they could do it. But they're you know, they both, and I think Falcons has been dinged up a little bit, but you know. Um, you know, I think Keith probably could put on some size, probably still Falcons too. But, you know, we're not, you know, they've they've been redshirted, right? And so if, you know, they, they you think you, you could just roll them out there and play and try to, you know, tr- if you were going to try to redshirt some of these guys. And so there seems to be, there seems to be, you know, two classes of receiver that we have here. Uh, those guys that maybe just aren't ready for, for physical reasons and those that just have all the talent with some experience. Um, and, and it's just kind of a grab bag. And, we're starting to see, you know, obviously we're starting Ridley, to see some separation. We're starting to see some separation. I think it was Foster, you know, obviously Ridley, you know, I'd like to see our Darius do that, but you know, we'll kind of see, you know, Chris Black. I, I don't know. You know, one thought that I have is, you know, we, I, I have to go back and sort of break it down. I remember only once that we really went to OJ Howard and, uh, and then, you know, he was kind of wildly overthrown. And so I, I just wonder, man. And, and, and it makes you wonder why we didn't go to him more, right? Yeah, well, it does. And so I start to wonder, you know, as talented as we all know that he is, and 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 we know that because we've seen it. Um, I mean, he's a junior, man. Is he just going to be lost to history? Is is he always going to be like, ah, oh, that guy? Why didn't he? Why wasn't he not the all star guy? Well, is it is it just Alabama's use of tight ends, right? I mean, I mean, we, we saw more of him and Michael Nicewander last week in the Louisiana Monroe game, but it was more blocking situations, right? Him and Dakota Ball came in, and they were doing a three-tight end look, but it was more blocking. You know, going back real quick to Calvin Ridley, because I know we need to flip the field in a minute. You know, early in the season, right, who has gotten the go routes, right? Who was on the go routes with the interception in the Ole Miss game? Or Darius Stewart, right? Yeah. So I find it interesting that in that play-action pass call, which I loved because everybody in the stadium knew they were going to go for the jugular, and it was kind of interesting that they were doing it against Jeremy Pruitt, right? 
I mean, Jeremy Pruitt, let's face it, for the listeners that, sure. that might not know, you know, we, they had Jeremy Pruitt as our defensive coordinator who, quite frankly, understands Saban very well. Sure. Probably, you know, second best behind Kirby Smart on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and so as far as currently, you know, has been at Alabama. And so I find it interesting on that play-action pass route that Ardarius is dragging across the middle and Calvin Ridley was the go guy, to yep. your point. True freshman on the go route and Ardarius, who's been the guy we've tried deep, we're going to drag you across the middle. Well, and and that's all about play design, right, is – how how can we get how can we run this play and get the deep route open? Well, you, you flip it up, uh, you flip it up that way, and, uh, and and we went back later in the game, ran the same play, and Ardarius was wide open for a nice gain, and uh, and like you said, Danielson, right? Because oh, he called it. Yes, he, he definitely called it and said, "Hey guys, that's the same route they ran earlier, and let's go back and look at this." Ardarius was just as wide open then, and when so Georgia. Uh, you know, said, hey, we're not going to get beat deep before, then Ardarius was open by the same 15 yards that, that he was before. And so what What a fantastic check down opportunity is let's gain 20 yards on the check down and uh, have, have an equally as talented wide receiver get the ball with maybe a chance to do something else. Uh, I, I like that that concept. I like that play design. And I like the, I like the idea that says, let's just, let's just flip these guys because that that's going to help us out from how we get the defense that we want. No, that's true. Well, hey, I want to go back to Kenyon Drake for two seconds just for, for something to watch going forward. I just think to get him going, I'd like to see them do like they did against Florida last year and split him wide and get him an open space. Yep. I don't know why they're not doing that. Yeah, and I agree. I, I, I agree. We've got to do something to get him to you know get him in some space, and so I, I would say look for that. But you know, I mean, it hasn't happened yet. Hey, one other thing I want to mention very quickly is on the offensive side of the ball. While he only had three catches on the day, uh, you know, two of those catches to Mullaney were huge. Um, you know, there was that second and fourteen uh, play at the thirty-four when we got our first field goal that, you know, to put us at the 10-yard line, and, and you saw it on that, you know, crossing pattern where Coker, Coker threw it too high. You know, he tried to – he was trying to put it above the linebacker, and he probably put a little bit too much air under it. And Mullaney, you know, gave his body up to basically yeah. go up for the ball. Yeah, he got shaken and, up on that play. And, and you and I would probably agree there's not many receivers on the team that would have given their body up like that for the ball. Right. So just wanted to point that out. That was awesome. No, that's fair. So you just did my mini game ball. Um, why don't you go ahead and do yours? You know, I'm just going to mention um, – I'm going to mention Bo Scarborough. I know you've already highlighted it earlier, but, you know, they, they said before in the week of practice they were going to find a way to work him in. Obviously, he had been suspended for the first four games of the season. Um, I just found it interesting that when he came in the game, he looked to me like a bigger Derrick Henry. Yes. Well, there's a picture. That, there's a picture that that surfaced last week with uh, with him, uh, DJ Petway's dad, and DJ Petway, and he was bigger, like height, thickness, his arms. 
he was bigger than DJ Petway. Yeah, that that I'm sorry. Derrick Henry does probably have to see that coming because um the kid's got bigger he's got bigger quad muscles than Derrick Henry does. Hey, now I'm gonna say this, because because you mentioned you know, you brought him back up. I know that Saban was going into the game, and the fact that he talked about it so much during the week, and he said, well, you know, it's hard to get a guy ready when, when you know, he hasn't been part of the game plan all along and to sort of bring him along, and, you know, he is a freshman, and, and he, just kept, he just kept playing that up and playing that up. And there's a part of me that says, yeah, I understand. You pick the guys that are going to play, and those are the guys that you rep, and those are the guys that you get ready. I understand that. That makes perfectly logical logical sense. I get that. But those girls, Scarborough is really a redshirt freshman. He's not a freshman. He's been in the system. You know, he participated in all of fall camp uh, or, or most of fall camp. He's participated over the summer and in the spring and parts of last fall. And so I thought it was a complete misdirection. I thought Saban was doing a complete misdirection on, oh, this Scarborough is not going to be ready to play. I thought the hell he's not going to be ready to play. We're going to have, you know, packages expressly for him. And I, and I even told my wife, I said, there's going to be a kid that's going to, that you're going to see for the first time Saturday. And you're going to ask, who is this number nine guy? And, uh, and I, man, I would have put money on the table that, uh, that we were going to see him. And as the game went on, we, you know, we didn't need to do anything like that, but as the game went on and on, I thought, man, I just can't believe. And then he came in so late in the game, even after, um, you know, Damon Harris, and not that he should jump Damian, but, but uh, uh, you know, at least in that, at that stage, uh, I thought, well, boy, I, I missed the boat on that one big time. Well, what's interesting is, is you know, it's a 38-10 ball game to start the fourth quarter, and Derrick Henry comes back out, which actually surprised me a little bit. Yeah. And, and he comes out, and he only gets the one carry, and then the very next series, he comes out again. But halfway through the series, Damian Harris takes over. And so to your point, I do like the fact that Damian Harris came in first. I think he should have. Sure. Uh, I do agree it was smoking mirrors, okay, on the Bo Scarborough thing. But for all the listeners, the fact that you have a kid that is a redshirt freshman who has never taken a snap as an Alabama football player, the fact that he gets talked about in a – in, in media circles prior to the biggest game of the year and the fact that he gets his first carries of the game against a, a talent like Georgia at Georgia, that tells you how special they think this kid's going to be. Yeah, and so, you know, maybe we did have a package for him and we realized very early on, well, we're not going to need that today. And so I don't, I'm not claiming that I'm wrong necessarily that, you know, Oh, he's only knows three plays, and we're going to bring him along. And no, I think we do have a sub package uh, with Bo Scarborough's name on it. And maybe we just realized, oh, we're not going to need that today. And uh, we put that on ice. And I would say look for that before the season's out. No, absolutely. Well, hey, let's flip the field to defense. And and I've got to start here because everybody in the stadium saw it, and Gary Danielson, you know, reminded everybody who it was. But you and I talk about all the time about how all these guys on defense, especially in the back four or back five, you know, they don't tackle the right way anymore. They don't tackle like they did when they were little kids. And that's why they're all freaking getting hurt. 
Right. It, it's easy to have a freaking concussion when you lead with your helmet. Okay. That's not what you're supposed to freaking do. And so when Reggie Raglan uh, tackled Mitchell's butt across the middle, I jumped out of my couch and I, and I basically did my best Michael Jordan impersonation because I love it when a player hits like a football player. Yep. And uh, that just sent the tone, in my opinion, uh, to, to Jordan. I think that changed the, the outlook for the offense uh, for the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, I think it did. That was that was certainly, you know, he he was laying some very hard licks. And there's just a phenomenal picture uh, that I've seen that's, that's, I mean, the timing on the picture is just perfect because it's Ragland hitting the player. And um, you can just see the rain, the raindrops being jolted off the player. It's almost like, like there's, you, you see the player and it's almost like there's around the player, there's a shadow of the player that's the raindrops that have just been knocked off the player. It's it's, it's pretty darn impressive. And so that's, uh, you know, very impressed with Ragland. I'd probably at the similar moment uh, in the game did a did a very uh, a similar thing, jumping up and, and celebrating his physicality. Uh, he laid a couple of good licks on uh, Lambert uh, when he was running, and that reminded me of Dante T- Hightower. Uh, hitting Jordan Jefferson and me just thinking, and and we talked about it here. Jordan Jefferson wants no part of playing Alabama again because he checks under his bed for Dante Hightower, right? He's afraid of Dante Hightower, and he's going to have that sort of image and vision in his head. And um, and I just thought <laughs> Grayson Lambert is having visions of Ragland, and uh, I just kind of enjoyed that. And uh, I think he got two or three licks on on him. Uh, you know, and then Ragland hit just about everybody he could, except for except for maybe on that one play, and, and we can talk about that. But um, yeah, he had a really good game. I like the way he's coming together. Well, what did you? You know, it just shows you, right? It, it, it's I, I didn't like that Chubb got his hundred yards. Okay, um, you know, he got eighty something yards on that one play, and he yep. finished with what hundred and forty yards on the gay on the day. So, yeah, he had 146 yards, so he would have only had 63 yards on the day. He was averaging under three yards a carry, uh, which we typically, you know, give up two and a half yards a carry to a, to a running back, it seems like, pretty pretty consistently. Um, but you probably loved it from a teaching moment, right? Because, you know, I remember years ago where we had a gap misassignment and there was a 50-yard breakaway. And I'm sure it just gives Saban something uh, to bitch about, right? Yeah, it really does. And, 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 you know, in some sense, it wasn't that dissimilar where, you know, Ragland got kind of caught up in the wash. And so he may have taken a step too far inside. And so he got caught up and wasn't able to get around the, the traffic. And this is one of those situations where, you know, hey, we watch this remote. And so we see what we think is, is supposed to happen, but we don't necessarily know. It just looked like Ragland got a little bit caught up, um, and it also looked like uh, Gino crashed. You know the line of scrimmage, but he crashed the line of scrimmage, running into his own man, as opposed to why don't you crash the line of scrimmage a yard and a half over and and plug that hole? And yeah, you might get trucked by Chubb, but you will hold him up enough for Ragland to get there and finish him off. And I. You know, again, 
that's just the angles that I saw. I, I think I was a little bit more disappointed with how Gino played that than I was Ragland. And I really, you know, not that we will ever get to hear a full explanation on that, but I would really like to know kind of who misplayed that. No, absolutely. Cause, cause watching it from the telecast, it, it, my first glance is it looked like Reggie took that playoff. He just, okay. he just kind of was, he just was real deliberate and just, just wasn't, you know, he really wasn't blocked. He just, he just, it seemed like his gap. It seems like he just didn't fill the gap quick enough. Yeah. Well, it made me sick when they showed, uh, you know, at that point of the game, they showed, um, well, now let's do a running back comparison. And you think, well, you know, Derrick Henry's been laboring all day and, uh, and, and sort of building his, his case. And he had, you know, he did have a nice little breakaway run, but, you know, it, you know, he had a lot of, you know, production. it was only 30 yards though. Yeah. yeah. It was 40, yeah. And uh, almost a third as long. Right. And so, um, you know, he sort of built his case over the course of the day. Uh, you take away his long run and his day was still impressive. You take away Chubb's long run and, you know, he was a Chubb. Right. And so you, you had a, you had 83 yards in one carry and, you know, I could look like I had a good day. And so, I just thought, man, stats do lie sometimes because his average might have been four and a half yards, but yeah, you 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 show me where he he really did sort of accrue four four to four and a half over the course of of the afternoon, and it wasn't there. No, absolutely. Well, hey, one other thing I want to mention to you that jumped out to me uh, on this side of the ball is, you know, Malcolm Mitchell only finished the day with three catches for 65 yards. They had two other receivers that had three uh, catches each. I just don't um, – I think there was a lot of times that they just didn't have people that could get open. And so, you know, I'm, I'm going to equate it to Alabama when we talked about Calvin Ridley and, and Mulaney, you know, seemed to be the guys emerging – Georgia, Georgia didn't have receivers that could get open against our cornerbacks. No, and and you know, and and, and I want to take this, you know, maybe a couple of different ways, but I just want to, I just, I just want to be pleased for a moment with the the progress and development of of our secondary. I mean, Eddie Jackson is, I mean, he had a sack and and some big hits. He really is, or not a sack, but an interception, a pick six. Uh, I mean, he is really coming into his own uh, at, at the safety position. Minka Fitzpatrick, I mean, she, you know, he had a sack. And, of course, his special teams play. I mean, I mean, he really is starting to feel comfortable, you know, for a true freshman. And, and I was watching the game with my wife, and I kept saying, oh, he's a true freshman. He's a true freshman. He's a true freshman. And at one point it just became embarrassing to say, damn, we're such a good sort of legacy, you know, team year after year after year. And I've just rattled off like five true freshmen that, that are making, you know, impactful plays uh, and contributions for the team. I just thought that was phenomenal. But, uh, but I'll tell you. In, in I mean, hold, on, hold on. Let me, let me pause you one second because I, I, I don't want to miss what you just said. Because one of the things I wanted to mention was how many true freshmen made plays in this game. And so you, you're, you're kind of reading my notes here. If we go back in the six years we've done this show, I don't know that there's ever been a single game. We can go back to when we had 
you know, Trent Richardson and and Dre Kirkpatrick and 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 the other talented freshmen in that class, and we can go back to, you know, to the Mark Ingram class. I don't remember a single football game where we've ever had this many true freshmen all make key plays in one ball game. Right. Do you? No, I mean you'd have to go back. I mean that 2008 recruiting class was was pretty was pretty stout, and there wasn't a lot of there wasn't nearly as much sort of legacy talent on the team, and so you'd have to go back, you know, maybe that far to to start putting together that type of contributions. You know, 2000 2009, you know, there were there were some you know freshmen that uh, that saw some opportunity. You know, this. And, you know, you talk about Minka and he's, a, you know, he's in a starting role. Damian Harris is now returning kicks and, and he's contributing in, in the running game. You know, Calvin Ridley, clearly what he did at a wide receiver. I mean, it makes you just jump to thoughts of Julio and, and Amari. You know, Darren Payne is a true freshman getting, you know, uh, a, a lot of reps on the defensive front. Uh, you know, it's almost kind of every layer, everywhere you go, there there's a true freshman contributing. And that speaks to, I mean, obviously, good recruiting in terms of getting. So there's kind of two layers, right? There's good recruiting in terms of let's just go bag up all the the best talent. Okay, that's good recruiting. But there's also an intelligent side of good recruiting that says let's go get talented players at our point of need. And then when you start layering, you know. We've got all these true freshmen that are contributing. Yeah, it's because they're good, but it's also because that's where we have a point of need. And so, you know, Hell Hennigus is, a, is a, I'm probably butchering his name, but that's a true freshman that's seeing reps at tight end. I want to talk about Ronnie Harrison, and I think he's the one that's going to evict uh, Geno Smith out of his position. You know, we talked about Geno or Eddie, which is really more the strong safety and which is more really the free. Well, I think maybe we're seeing the coach's hand here. Ronnie's going to become the new free. Ronnie's yes. going to be the new uh, strong safety. Oh, and, you think? And and so I think we said, you know what? We're going to put Gino at 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 strong because we actually think we have someone that's going to come in and take that. And we're going to put Eddie at free because we think Eddie has a longer future and a better upside. And so – you know, God bless Gino because he's been one of my favorites, but he has not played like he played as a true freshman. I think our secondary is going to get better as we bring in Ronnie Harrison. Well, I guess what I meant by the, and I agree with that. I, I think what I meant by the the true freshman comment is given all the years that Saban has been there and the cupboard and the talent that he has recruited, I'm surprised on this team that we have this many true freshmen that are able to emerge in front of upperclassmen and and carry the torch, I guess is what I meant by that. I think what it shows to me and and you know it's not like we don't know this, but you know, you can talk about and I mean if if you don't see it now, you're never gonna see it. And I think you and I have seen it and I don't know if we've talked about it in the way we're just about to, but you know, you think about college teams and, you know, it's 85 scholarships and it's, you know, 105 guys, you know, if you count the walk-ons that, that you know, that, that go to fall camp and, you know, whatever the dress number is in the SEC, I don't, I don't even know. But, but you know, you think about all of these guys and, 
and you hear you hear other you, you know we'll say it sometimes oh we're just a young team we're not there and you'll hear some teams just always every year they say oh we're, we're just a young team we're just a young team and they're never not a young team and there's a little bit and so it's easy to kind of make fun of those you know well, when is your when are you ever going to kind of put it together but there's a part of it that says you know what <laughs> the older i get the more i agree that that uh you know we are always you know really a young team and for all the recruiting classes for all the five stars for all the number one rated recruiting classes damn we've got a lot of true freshmen playing and there's a part of that that says it's not because the other guys aren't good it's because these guys are so good but there's still so many opportunities for young guys to contribute on a team because at the end of the day you know there is so much turnover year to year to year that i mean you're never going to have a truly you know fifth year senior laden team and if you do you're probably going to suck the next two or three years no that's true it's just um it, it was really refreshing. I probably had that moment as you were having it with all these true freshmen. Like, you know, this goes back a nod to Gary Danielson, you know, so I'm going to give him credit when he pointed out Eddie Jackson telling Mark, you know, telling Humphrey to turn around. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Cyrus Jones, to be fair, and Gary called this as well, I think had Cyrus turned around earlier in the game, he would have had an interception. And, and he did that looking back to the receiver, which drove me crazy. Um, but how cool was it that Eddie Jackson, you know, saw that and, and told Humphrey to turn around. And, uh, I think that's why he got that pick. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, he had a good play, uh, a good play there. I think they, they picked on hump. I think they kind of picked him out as someone that they were going to go after. And, uh, and they made a little bit of hay, uh, on him, but you know, he strikes me as a fighter. He's a guy that that's going to learn and get better and take every sort of lesson he's going to, you know, and, Part of it is is sort of his bloodline and his you know whose father is and, and whatnot. But I, I think he's he's a guy that doesn't shrink from um, the situation. I think he's going to grow into the situation. And so they picked on on him a little bit, and he said, "Okay, I got gotcha. you." And uh, and and so it's it's almost like the more they went after him, the better he got. And you could see the progression of him getting better and more comfortable with what was going on and what they were trying to do to him, he got better as that happened. And how many times have we seen games where Alabama games are not, where you start picking on a cornerback and you can always pick on him all day and it gets easier to pick on him as the day goes long, that Hump was the opposite of that. And that was pretty cool to see. No, absolutely. What what else jumped out at you on on defensive side of the ball? I You know – if we had done a podcast last week talking about the Monroe game, I would have gushed then because I first saw it from our defense then, but I saw it again Saturday and it just, I mean, it just almost makes the hair on my back stand up. I mean, I just feel like warmth go through my body when I see it because it's such a, a fun, a fun feeling, but the, the, the suffocating ways of the Alabama defense appear to be, we have two instances, but it appears to be coming back. And, and, and I love the analogy that I read this years ago and they compared, they were compelling, comparing the LSU defense to the Alabama defense. And they said, the LSU defense is like a troll that puts a bag over your head and beats you with sticks. They're just that physical. 
But they said the Alabama defense, the Nick Saban defense, is like a python that it slowly just wraps you up, wraps you up, and starts to squeeze. And they're going to take away one thing you do and then take away another thing you do and then take away another thing you do. And before you know it, there's nothing you can do and you can't even breathe. And I just love that. That imagery is, is to me, is, is fascinating. And I saw that against uh, Monroe last week where there's nothing they can do. They can't run the ball. They can't pass the ball. They can't roll out. They can't do something underneath. They just couldn't do anything. And it started to feel that way against Georgia. And, and you know, even though even at points early in the game where the score was close, I said, you know what, They're, they keep third and out. They keep third and out. I think it was their third or fourth possession before they got a, a first down. When they got the field goal on the short field, they actually had to score that field goal twice because they took points off thinking that they were going to get a touchdown. And it was all they could do by the skin of their teeth to score that field goal again. And so the three points, they scored twice. And, and it's just – the defense just kept taking away and just kept taking away. And, uh, you know, eventually they went to another quarterback and then came back and I had to come back to, to, to Lambert. And they reached a point in the day where Georgia felt like we can't do anything. We can't do anything against this defense. And, oh, man, that makes me feel so good. No, you're right. I mean, if you take out that field goal, uh, looking at the stat sheet, you know, the first three drives were three and outs then the field goal, and then they had four three-and-outs. Uh, excuse me, then we had five three-and-outs to the end of the half. So they literally had um, they literally had one, two, three, four, seven punts in the first half. And um, if it wasn't been for the field goal, they would have been seven punts in a row. Um, yeah. I mean, when you think of literally choking out an offense – I mean, no, I, man. I no, I, no, I agree, man. There was, there was even the, even the short stuff seemed seemed hard to come by. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know we flipped the field to the defense, but I have to ask you real quick because it just popped up in my mind. I do wish, you know, we we had the big interception when they brought in the new quarterback to start the second half, and then we had the punt that you know Fitzpatrick scored on, and and that obviously changed the dynamic of the game, right? Because mm-hmm. because at that point the the game was really probably over at that point, but I have to say that I was a little frustrated that you know we didn't get more points scored. I was frustrated that we didn't get any more points scored on the board from then on out. Yeah, I thought for sure we'd get over forty, and I was looking for us to get over forty. I think that you know I think. You know, and you know, for whatever reason, we could go back and and sort of break it out. Why why didn't we get forty? I think, I think so. You know, some of it breaks down to, you know, coach just isn't going to run it up, and so you know, coach could sit there and say, "We've made our point," and and he'd be right to say that, right? Because you know, you think about we're getting to a point in the game where there's not enough time for them to have the number of possessions they would take to drive. We're taking away everything. Their quarterbacks, quarterbacks plural, have proven they can't move the ball against us. It's a rainy day, so that makes passing that much harder. And so I think he said, we're just going to run the clock out. We're going to do our four-minute offense, and uh, we're not going to jeopardize the ball. We're not going to try to run up the score, and um, we're just going to get back on the bus and go home. No, that's fair. Um Anything and, and else I'm, from I'm uh, generally okay with that. There's a part of me that said, oh, let's hang 50 on them. But, you know, 
you just have to know that's not going to happen. Well, it was set up very nicely to hang 50 on them, and I guess that's my point. They were prime for the picking, and uh, I wish we would have put the foot on the throat just a little bit more. I told my, I, you know, again, I, I watched the game with my wife, and I told my wife, and I was like, yeah, I'd really like us to get up over 40. And, and I thought there was a good chance. You know, sitting at 38 for as long as we were, I thought 40 was probably a given. And I said, well, I'll be honest with you, I'd really like to see us get 50, but I don't think we will. And I kind of laughed, and I, my wife didn't get the reference. But but uh, I said the only way we get 50 is if it's a defensive score or a freshman running back breaks loose and Saban's jumping up on the – Jumping up and down on the sidelines, mad. Oh, that's hilarious. Make, no, you are even mad if we score fifty. So no, absolutely. Hey, uh, any anything else on on defense for you? Do game balls? Nah, give me your game ball, man. Um, you know, there, there's a there's a lot of guys that 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 I think would qualify here. Um, but I'm gonna go ahead and steal yours because because I know it's I know it's who you want to use. And uh, I'm going to give my mini game ball to uh, to Darren Lake. Um, you know, I, I think Darren Lake. Um, you know, I, I really, I really, I really feel. You know, at one point Gary Danielson was was talking about guys, and 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 he was talking about you know just running them in and running them in and running them in, and um, and you know I um I, I really and 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 forgive me, I, I just misspoke. I meant to say Darren Payne. Um, yeah. you know, basically, um, I, I just feel like he had a, a breakout game for him and, uh, it was nice to see him plug the middle. Uh, he, he, it didn't really translate on the stat sheet. Um, but, but, you know, I, I just feel like he's a name we're going to hear a lot more out of. Yeah, I really, and, and if you, if you were to look at him, you wouldn't, you know, he reminds me a little bit of, um, you know, not. Not so in the face. I can, I can see where he looks. He has a younger face than than Ashawn did as a true freshman. But you know, from a body type, man, there's no way in the world you believe he's a true freshman. But you know, there he is. Hey, I got to give one more mini game ball real quick. There you um, go. Break it. Break it. And the pull and the I don't I don't know why Rashawn Evans is not playing more because I'd yeah. like to see Rashawn Evans on one edge and Tim Williams on the other on the third yeah. down plays. Yeah. But you know the play I'm going to call here. But at Tim Williams on one play, bull rushed on on uh, third down. Yep. He drove the right tackle all the way back to the quarterback. And so when he did his deflection, he literally was standing in front of the quarterback like two inches away and just had to put his hand in front of the quarterback's face mask to knock the ball. It was like the easiest deflection you're ever going to get yes. because it drove the guy 10 yards back. And uh, Tim Williams has gotten some more opportunities in the past couple of weeks, and uh, I'm glad to see it. Yeah, and, and you know what? And and so I I don't know if Danielson said this or, or Vern, and uh, you know I understand why people don't like those guys as commentators, and you know maybe it's because we go to so many games and 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 so we don't get to see you know many of the commentators, and and the ones we do are the SEC Network, and they're you know they're not nearly as good as the network guys. And so I really like Todd Blackledge, and I really like Danielson, and and so when we get a chance to to hear those guys, I actually enjoy it. And so other people, I guess, don't. But uh, I can't remember which one of them said it, and I think they were talking about Petway. Uh, I think it was Petway, and they were talking about you know when they interviewed the players this week, kind of getting ready for the game. You know, they said you know the defensive line is blocking a lot of of passes, you know, batting down a lot of balls, 
you know, is that an is that an area of focus? What are you guys doing? I don't know if you remember this from from the broadcast, but you know, what are you guys doing to uh, to bat down all of these balls? And I think it was Petway, and he said, "Well, here, here's what I do. Um, when I see the quarterback go to throw the ball, I put my hands in the air." And, <laughs> and I thought Man, that's just a area. And um, and so I got a big kick out of that because I thought, well, that's that's pretty good, and and so that's that's what you do. And so kind of you know along those lines, I I'm going Jonathan Allen with my mini game ball, you know, partly because he you know kind of had to battle back from injury this year or this or this week really just last uh, week yeah. very quickly right big shoulder yeah, with the shoulder thing and and, it, and so without really elaborating what it was you know coach kind of said well he's kind of got a shoulder that bothers him and and uh, typically he can come back from it pretty quick and so still that doesn't mean there's not pain that doesn't mean there's not sort of a, a mental sort of thought and he came out there started the game played well I think he batted a ball early in the game and so uh, I, I just like the sort of the tenacity that that he uh, that he demonstrated. He's going to be one of those guys, um, and it, because I kind of hate to see this, but I understand what it happens. And so he's going to be drafted, probably middle round draft pick, and then he's probably going to miss his rookie year because he's going to have like so, you know shoulder surgery or something. That's that'd be my prediction on him. But I think he's got a lot of talent. He's going to play really well for us the rest of the year. Uh, I, I just like what he brings to the defensive front. I like what he did on Saturday against Georgia. So uh, I, he's getting my mini game ball. Well, man, he had a huge brace on that shoulder, right? Yeah. And on that double team play against Louisiana Monroe, the the right guard, the left guard, you know, helped the tackle and put his helmet right on that shoulder. So we don't know whether he got his shoulder knocked out of place or what. But to come back the very next week is huge for this team. Yep. And um, he's going to be the Brandon Dietrich type of guy that has the 10-year NFL career or the Wallace uh, Gilberry. Yep, yep. Um, but also, real quick, I have to mention Jaron Reed. Uh, we obviously could talk about all these guys, but there was one play in the game uh, where Jaron Reed, it's kind of like they rehearse with the dummies in practice, where you see him take the dummy and just lift the dummy up. He literally was lined up on the on the left end. He took on the right tackle. He had the right tackle fully. He had his arm fully extended, his right arm. He was holding the right tackle off with one arm and watching the right, r- watching the running back come toward him. Yep. And as soon as the running back came to him, he grabbed him with his left arm and took him to the ground. Yep. Yeah. yeah that I was know. kind of like that big Reggie Ragland play. And, and guys that listen to this show, they don't care that it's long because this is why they listen. And for him to sit there as a grown man and take on a 300-pound offensive tackle with one arm and grab the ball carry with the other arm and pull it down, that was as freaking excited as what Reggie Ragland did. I yep. loved it. Yep, I agree. I agree. Well, like you said, we could talk about a lot of these guys. Uh, talk to me about uh, special teams. You know, I got to talk about the crappy play call, the, the crappy uh, roughing the, the long snapper call yeah. Yeah. that yeah. wasn't a call that, that was home cooking that gave Georgia a, a, a glimmer of hope till they realized they couldn't score even with that crappy of a play call. It was on Jaron Reed. Yep. He did not freaking do anything, and I think it was a crappy call. Yeah, it was. And, uh, you know, and I thought they were going to – I thought, you know, they were going to get a touchdown out of it. But, uh, you know, it turns out they had to struggle for all they could to get 
to get the field goal back. And, uh, and, and, you know, I, I was really pleased with that, but yeah, I wasn't real keen on that call. Uh, but, um, you know, you're going to, th- those, you know, some of those are going to happen. I don't know. You know, you think, you think you line up over, you know, over a kick so many times that you kind of know not to do anything like that. And, and I'm not suggesting that he did something sort of contrary to the rules, but uh, I get that a, a snapper is, is, is in a compromised position, you know, when, when they snap the ball. But, um, you know, how often, I mean, you know, kicks are all the time and, and, and the rush from the middle is, is you know, sort of a staple of, of blocking kicks. So that just seems, that just seems like a, a rule that I understand the spirit, I understand the intention, but it seems almost impossible to enforce. And that may, I may have seen that one call, you know, that call once in my life. Um, but uh, you certainly don't see it often. Hey, um, give me, give me what, uh, what, uh, what you want to chat about on special teams before I give you another one. Well, I just like Minka, you know, stepping in and, and, and almost going unblocked and batting that ball and just very calm, very nonchalant, true freshman on a rainy day. He doesn't go hyper, you know, active about, uh, and then kind of lose sight of, of, of kind of what's going on or what the next step is. He doesn't celebrate that he blocked it. He just, it's almost like he bounced it, almost like he dribbled it to himself. He blocked it and just picked it up and ran into the end zone. And clearly he was excited about it, but he didn't let the, he didn't, he didn't get excited before it was time to get excited. And so I just think, and it's these little glimpses because we don't sit down with a guy. We don't, you know, we don't know, but it's these little bit of glimpses that the more and more I see, the more and more I realize, man, this is a mature kid and uh, he is going to be good. He handled it very smooth. Yes. Uh, it, it was a very it was it was a play like I could see you doing that again, right? It wasn't like he lucked into it. Right. Well, right. hey, I, I want to mention a couple things. First of all, uh, I like Damian Harris being back on kickoff returns. Yep. Um, I think they found them somebody who's not going to fumble the freaking ball on on kickoffs. Um, and then also. Uh, I want to give Cyrus Jones credit. You know, five punts for fifty-three yards. He had twenty-three yards on one cu- on one punt. Um, I think he's brought some some uh, some stability back there. He knows when to call a fair catch and when not to. At least it yeah. seems like it. And uh, I like having him back there. Yeah, I you know I would you know you always want to see the upside. You always always want to see kind of the big return. Um, but and and that's not to say that we won't see some of that from him. But I like the steady. I like the consistency. I like the just you know the most important thing on a punt is to field it and keep possession of the ball. Anything after having the ball is bonus. And so let's make sure we get the ball. And you know I'm still mad about the Arkansas or about the Ole Miss game. And so you know. I, 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 I sort of bitched most of the game about, you know, if we did not field a kicker, we would have won, or, or a, 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 a kick returner, we would have won that game. And so, sure. you know, there were, sure. there were times, there were times against Georgia where I, I'll tell you this, I am convinced. I'm absolutely now 100% convinced because I thought maybe it was upperclassmen sort of making their own decisions. And I don't know why it's taken me so long. I am absolutely 150% convinced that we coach them to run it out unless it's the back half of the end zone. Because we brought in Damian Harris, a true freshman, um, 
in his first kickoff return action. And he did not hesitate for half a second to catch the ball one yard inside the end zone and run it out. And uh, I thought then, I thought, well, I'm on the wrong side of history on this one because, uh, or I'm on the wrong side of coaching decisions on this one because clearly they are being coached to do this. That's That's not an upperclassman saying, I want my yards. That is... That is how we're telling them to do it. And that goes back to, you know, yep. what we've talked about before, right? Back to that. Anything, well, else, hey, uh, what, anything else on special teams? No. Um, I do want to mention real quick that as we were leaving the stadium in that crappy Ole Miss game, mm-hmm. um, you and I sat there and talked about, you know, that this is, um, you know, when are they, you know, is it going to be the very next week that they that they yeah. trip up and um, – you know they they obviously they obviously struggled and and barely won uh, against you know a now two and three Vandy team yep. you know at home um, but I just you know I wasn't surprised to see them get their butt whipped against Florida thirty eight to ten no no not at all and uh, you know it's it's one thing it I, I'm not gonna say easy because I don't think easy is easy is no way the word that I'm trying to use. But it is easier to focus on one game and to win the hardest game on your schedule than it is to go out and consistently have a personality and 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 win all the games on your schedule. And so the okay, so they focused up on us and with five turnovers and a couple kludgy plays, they won the game. And without those turnovers without those kludgy plays against a less talented team, they got their ass handed to them. And so there's a part of me that says, yep, I guess we call that. And there's a part of me that said, damn, if we had our head together, we would have done that to them. Oh yeah. And, and, you know, I love how the, I just love how the media was burying Alabama. And so I'm glad, you know, coach kind of showed some emotion there uh, today and, you know, all the media was in love with Ole Miss because they had hung 76 on UT Martin and 73 on Fresno State. And, you know, this vaunted this and this vaunted that, and they put 10 points up against Florida. Yep. So I just find it kind of funny. Hey, what do you think about this Arkansas team? They obviously lost one of their top tailbacks. They lost their top receiver for the season. Um, you know, they 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 – they 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 scored the game winning touchdown against Tennessee this week with still like nine minutes left in the third quarter, and so they didn't score any points for the rest of the game at Tennessee Saturday, but they still came up with the win and gave Texas A and M everything they wanted the week before. Uh, what do, what do you think about you know playing this team for homecoming? Yeah, you know you know what? If you'd asked me preseason, I, Arkansas would have been one of the teams that I would have marked as uh, a little bit of concern. I mean, they played us so close last year. But then when you start to look at, you know, they lost some offensive linemen. They lost some defensive linemen. Uh, you know, their trenches are, are much lighter relative to last year. And then the injuries. And, uh, and, and sort of the wild card that I had on them was the quarterback play. Was there any improvement in the quarterback play? Last year, if they if they had just gotten a little bit of quarterback play, they would have beaten us. And this year, I'm not seeing them improving on the quarterback play. And I'm seeing I'm you know, and obviously the record tells the story. So I'm not I'm not earth shattering here. 
But, uh, I mean, they, they have regressed, I think, significantly over last year. And so, you know, do they have the opportunity to kind of bow up and, and this be the game that they've been focusing on? Yeah, but I think they've kind of lost a little bit of their mustard too. I think they've kind of lost some, some, some of the spark that they might have. And so I look at them as, you know, the easiest way to kind of equate what I think they are is they're, you know, they're like the Georgia understudy. They like to run. They can be physical. Uh, they have a suspect quarterback. And so they're all of those things, but their offensive line isn't as good as Georgia's. Their running back isn't as good as Georgia's. Their quarterback isn't as good as Georgia's. Their defense isn't as talented and athletic across the board as Georgia's. And so they're like, they're, I mean, I don't know. They're like Georgia's little brother. They're like a junior Georgia. And so I think, man, this, and so we talked about, you know, we matched up really well against uh, Georgia. We matched up really well against Arkansas. I think we match up really well uh, against Arkansas. And you start to say, well, of those three teams that we match up really well against, that the scoreboard demonstrates that we match up really well against, where does, where does Arkansas fit in that pecking order? Well, they're not as good as Georgia. Are they as good as Wisconsin? I don't know. And so if, if, if that is the metric, if that turns out to be true, then we could almost pick our score. Yeah, I, I think that's a great analogy because they obviously are, are lining up with a, a two tight end formation. Um, and, I, and I do agree with you that, that I don't think Brandon Allen um, has really, you know, taken any, any big steps forward. I, I think losing Jonathan Williams was, was huge. Because uh, Jonathan Williams was that fifth-year senior, he was that physical running back that really complemented Alex Collins very well. And I, I, I agree with you as far as the defense. I mean, last year they had some physical defensive ends that are now in the NFL on Sundays that gave us huge fits, huge fits as far as that goes. And so, I think to your point, like we said, Georgia you know, had one receiver that was able to get open a little bit until we put Cyrus Jones on him. I just don't think they've got the guys that can get open consistently with the ball. I mean, they, they've, got, they, they've got two receivers that have over 20 catches coming into, the, into the, the game, but I just don't think they have enough weapons. I, I think your little brother analogy is good. Um, you know, we, we had seven three and outs in this ball game, and we still won 38 to 10. And so I think we're looking at something like a, a 45 to 7 type of game. I think you're going to get your wish of getting it in the 40s. Yeah, I, I, think, that, I think that's fair. Um, you know, a little bit more than we got against Georgia. If they score a little bit less, you know, 7, you know, you know that, that, that starts to sound about right. I mean, I'd give them 10 or 13 just because, you know, you know, sometimes against against you know later in games, you can you can score some points. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. But uh, but yeah, I think this is a, is a team that. I mean, I don't want to say I'm overlooking them or I'm not giving them their due. I just think, um, man, I just think they match up really well with what we do. And the fact that you know, and and you know, some things in the schedule you can control. You know, okay, the fact that we opened against Wisconsin, we got to control that. The fact that we played. You know MTSU and and Monroe. I mean, okay, we got to we got to um, control that, but you don't you don't necessarily get to control that. Oh, good, we get to play 
Georgia and Arkansas back to back because they're both going to try to beat us in the same way. And so, you know, outside of the players needing to be uh, outside of, you know, it's football and not basketball and you can't play back to backs. We were ready to play that game Saturday afternoon. <laughs> I start I started to say that's a great point that you just made is that for a young secondary that is still trying to develop, right, it is perfect right now that Arkansas comes after Georgia because we're not banged up, really, with the exception of Jonathan Allen. And it's not like we're having to flip the page and prepare for a whole different uh, offense this week. Right. Yeah. Let's go prepare for something else and in two weeks come back and then re-prepare to do this. No. Let's just spend two weeks – of in-depth study of this. Okay, now we took our midterm, and the midterm is going to be harder than, you know, in relative terms, uh, the midterm is going to be harder than the final. Uh, And so now let's go look at our Georgia tape, and let's get ready and uh, work on things. And so Arkansas may be the recipient of lessons learned from uh, from the Georgia game. And so now we get sort of two-week sort of intensive study on this. That makes it easier because it's two weeks instead of one. It's two weeks. And then when we come back and play LSU, we'll say, hey, remember we spent those two weeks talking about this style of offense? Now let's go take that and prepare for the the LSU game. And uh, there'll be sort of more recall because we've had two weeks of doing this as opposed to just one. Oh, absolutely. And for the listeners' standpoint, this is an Arkansas team that lost to Toledo 16-12, to right? And, And they did that because they had five trips inside the red zone and got no points. Hey, you know what, though? I'll say one thing about Arkansas. I was amazed when I heard this stat. And uh, and so I was watching them play uh, Tennessee, and so they punted. They had a three and out. And I don't remember if it were five, if that was the fifth three and out. I mean, this is, you know, the fourth, fifth game of the season, whatever it is. And so I can't remember if it was the, the third three and out or the fifth three and out. Either is an impressively small number. And so at that point, and it was before halftime, that was either their third or their fifth three and out on the season. And I thought, well, that's pretty impressive. I mean, Georgia had more three and outs than that in the first half against us. And to say that Arkansas has lost the games that they've lost, but they've only literally had a handful of three and outs, that's pretty impressive. No, that is impressive for I mean, sure. I mean, I've not studied their film, so I don't know if that means they're turning the ball over on second down a whole lot. But you know, whatever that whatever that is, I mean, they're they're at least moving the ball between the twenties, uh, is is how I equate that. And so you know, the coach, you know, so that gives Saban an opportunity to say, hey, this is a very efficient team in moving the ball, so we need to be ready. Otherwise, they're going to sustain long drives against us and keep our defense out on the field. And so, you know, Saban's going to be able to spin it in the way that he does, which I think is great. You know, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, I thought that was an impressive stat. I haven't studied them enough to know really what that means, but okay, an impressive stat. But at the end of the day, I just, you know, same thing I've been saying. It's where do they fit in the spectrum between Arkansas and or between, you know, Georgia and Wisconsin? How would you rank those three? I don't know, but, you know, Georgia's clearly at the top, and that worked out pretty well. No, it did. Well, what's interesting about them is is so far cumulatively into the season, um, they are averaging about 35 minutes a game, uh, time of possession, almost 36 minutes. Yeah. So they, they are controlling uh, the lion's share of the game. Um, and uh, 
So this will, uh, I, I think their their time of possession stats going to be tarnished a little bit after this one. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Well, cool, man. Anything else you want to add? No, man. We could we could pick out more things for sure, uh, but we will wrap this one up and we will get ready for uh, homecoming. Yeah, absolutely. This was a very fun game. Uh, this was this was phenomenal, and uh, I, I think you know the stories of uh, the ties demise were a little premature, and so uh, I'm glad that that served as motivation. And uh, we need to bottle this up and ride through the, this through the the rest of the season because damn, that was an impressive performance. Oh, absolutely. And and you and I can both say that um, it's nice that the next six years, as we are uh, Georgia residents, um, it's a you know it, it's nice to say that we don't play you every year, and now for six years you can't say anything else to us. No, because there's been a stretch, you know, since uh, you know since the SEC championship game, where they, they kind of felt like ah, oh, if we just had another few seconds, if we just had another few seconds. And my thought to that has always been. Well, you know, if you had held the lead that you had with four minutes left in the game, you wouldn't have needed a few more seconds. Uh, and But at the same time, I can sort of sense their – I sort of feel their pain because we went on and, and just, you know, tarred and feathered Notre Dame, and they would have done the same thing. And you think, ah, oh, yeah, I hate it for you. Not enough that, you know, I wish you had won. But, yeah, I can see where that's frustrating. And this is an example of, uh, you know – I, there's no if or buts that would have won that game for him. That was uh, that was a shellacking, and and uh, yeah, that was fun. That was that was really fun. So, absolutely, man. Well, I am looking forward to uh, doing this again after uh, after another victory. Absolutely. Well, hey, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in, and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.